0: Hello guys and welcome back to dice heists today we are doing our second lore of the lands episode and this is going to be set as episode 20 i know last time i did a point 0.5 and you know what that was a lot of work and uh A little bit more work than I have time to deal with right now. So instead, what we're going to do is we're just going to make this a regular episode to give me an opportunity between arcs to write the next arc and get us started on that. Uh, This Lore of the Lands may seem like it should have happened a little bit sooner, and that's because it should have. Um, I should have taken a lot more time as a DM, especially for the podcast, to better flesh out Elgelfia for you, the audience, uh, before throwing you guys into an arc that completely happened in Egelphia. And because of that, you may think that I should have mentioned certain things in last arc uh, to the players, and you're, you're absolutely right. Um, so this, I'm fully admitting, was a misstep by me as a DM, and hopefully you guys can forgive that. And right now, I'm going to try and fix that by giving you a better picture of what Egelphia is as a whole. After I'm done with that, we're actually going to jump into a little one-on-one session with each of the players for you guys to get a little bit more story about what happens during this three-week gap in between arc two and then arc three. Stay with us, and I hope you guys enjoy. Agelfia's walls stand five stories tall and jut out from the east and west coast of the city, converging and standing resolute out of the ocean. These walls seem to shimmer at the waterline, with magical energy, powerful and ancient wards, preventing erosion and further strengthening the walls. Small gates dot the base of the wall at the waterline, allowing naval vessels to enter into the artificial bay that encompasses the southern edge of the city. To the eastern side of the wall, firmly planted on land, there is an enormous gate opening onto the road that leads to Nomehold. To the western side of the city, a much smaller and much newer gate can be seen that once was just a sheer wall protecting the city from the hordes of foul creatures that once stormed out of the lava flats. To the northern edge of the city, the walls converge into the side of the Whispering Mountain. This mountain's southern side has been carved and civilized with tiers of residencies cascading down the mountain. These homes are painted with striking colors, and present bold and fanciful architecture, with severe angles, and the most extravagant of them seem to be made of nothing but twists and folds. These homes are owned by only the richest denizens of the city. All five industrial high counselors hold residency here, and the rest belong to other wealthy and successful business owners, foreign royalty, and the scarce old money a Gelfian nobility that was able to hold on to their wealth and avoid the curse of the Cobalt. This area is known as the Whisper District. The only businesses that operate in this district are the numerous restaurants that are dotted among the homes and the housekeepers and servants of these wealthy homes who generally live in quarters provided by the main house or they commute. This district has only one Sky Rail station located near the base of the mountain. Most of the inhabitants own their own modified and decorated quad motors, bimotors, and glide motors, and are often driven by a driver rather than by the owners. The Whisper District's High Councilor is generally selected from the respected Elders of the area, former Industrial High Council members, or influential members of the community. Currently, the position is held by Krixud Therith, an elder pale green dragonborn woman, who was instrumental 25 years ago in forging the alliance with Nomehold. The slopes district to the eastern and western base of the Whisper Mountains are astronomically different from the area just above. The first thing one would notice is the assaulting and penetrating smell of the industrial smog being pumped out of the upper cavos district. Looking back up the mountain, one would see a now obvious bubble over the Whisper district, holding the smoke at bay and causing an illusion from inside that there is no smog at all. Balbarum district lies to the southwest of the Whisper district, and is the poorest and most rundown section of the city. Here, one would see only large, bleak buildings with crumbling exteriors. Many are overcrowded with the exponential growth of the kobold population. Others clamor with constant noise of industrious production, factories owned by companies taking advantage of the cheap real estate. Here, several gangs of kobolds roam, each clinging to the noble heritage that had cursed them to live as lesser forms of the dragonborn, each using their former house sigil as a call sign. While these gangs were once formed to hold on to their heritage, they are mere shadows of what they once were, fighting amongst each other as much as against the system that brought them here. The vehicles are few and far between in this area. Most belong to businesses of the area, and any others are falling apart and often run on miracles and sheer dumb luck. A large number of broken down and discarded vehicles, however, can be found to the far western side of the district, piled along the wall, making up the city's immense dump. Built into the wall is a waste-processing plant that chews up the contents of the dump and magically filters the pieces, transmuting the useless into something useful. The products are sold back to the industries of Agelphia, keeping the city streets cleaner and free of random debris. Most of the denizens of this area use the Skyrail to travel, and with its high use here, many stations are dotted about the district. One of the most successful companies of this area is the Balbarum Personal Security Agency, a private security agency that has succeeded by giving the less fortunate a chance to have a better life by entering into the training classes that have no upfront cost and are instead paid for over the first five years of your employment with the company. This business's owner is a kobold himself with blackish-blue skin. Uth-Tyr-Baval stands rather tall for a kobold, and is the only kobold to ever hold a seat on the high council. The slopes district to the southeast is the Rerick district. In the last 25 years, this district has changed quite a bit with a large influx of gnomes that now live and work in this district. Before the truce, the district was much like the Belbarum district. But as gnomes started making it their home, it began to become overrun with numerous machines of metal and wood, most in some form of disrepair. However, what we call chaos, the gnomes of this district call order. And even the automatons that live here choose to do so, as it forces them to face the chaos that is the world hoping to set themselves apart from mindless machines. Overall, this district has an equal number of both Dragonborn and Gnomes living here, along with a good mix of other races. But the neighborhoods of Gnomes seem to just overtake areas nearby, as often people living here vacate to find a slightly quieter place to live. Many vehicles dot the streets of this area. Bi-motors, quad-motors, and many other unique and unusual vehicles. A gnome by the name of Fenmyra Puddle Rock currently holds the position of High Counselor of this district. A scrappy woman with many designs used by Defense Industries, Fenmyra has made herself an advocate for inventive recognition within the district. In the last election, took the High counselor seat from Thunkus Jinjan, a black dragonborn with a knack for not giving credit where it's due. Between the Bell Barm District and the Rerick District lies the burning industrial refineries that smelt the ores that are dug up from below the Whispering Mountain. Other factories process the gems found in the earth, cutting them with precision to maximize their magical potential, allowing them to store massive amounts of energy. This area is known as the Upper Kavos District and has few residents. However, Those that do choose to reside here are unusual at best. The automatons that work in this district often call Voltae Tower Home, a tall building with shimmering walls that soak in all the energy of the sun's rays and the heat from the factories surrounding it, turning it into usable energy. The inside has narrow corridors and small rooms just big enough for an automaton to stand and charge for the necessary four hours a day. Some may consider these homes cruel, but most automatons find it efficient and to the liking of their minimalist sensibilities. Plenty of gnomes, dwarves, and even dragonborn work in this district, but only one organic being lives here. Even so, Harkana Copperforge only lives here to continue holding her position as the High Counselor of the Upper Cavos District. She operates out of her office that has been converted into a small apartment, continuing her work as the refinery coordinator, directing the flow of the ores that come out of the mountains to the appropriate refineries to ensure maximum efficiency. Her skills and organization make her valued and respected by the automatons of the district, leading to her inevitable election into the office of High Counselor of the Upper Cavos District. Most of the vehicles in this area are used to transport goods from the mines to refineries, or from the refineries to customers or warehouses. Due to the smog and other factors, the SkyRail has only two stations, each at the west and eastern edge of the district, used by many who work in the district. As the Whispering Mountains have been excavated over the years, many tunnels have become halls and homes similar to those found in the Dwarven homeland to the far southwest of Agelfia. This district is known as the Lower Cavos District, and has the largest community of Dwarves in all the city. Other races live here, including many humans, dragonborn, and a few of the other races. Most that reside here work in the mines below, each tunnel being mined by a different company, each reaping the benefits of their particular mine. Stonemasons are common here as well. As the homes have become even more popular in recent years, with the growing cost of housing on the surface, and the ever-expanding housing below. Some boldly claim, within a few decades' time, and with the right organization, more people will be living in this district than the rest combined. Even with the large dwarven population, the current High Council representative of this district is a muddy red dragonborn by the name of Yefik Safras, who personally saved 23 dwarves when they were caved in and no one else could have helped? He is considered an honorary dwarf and is highly respected by the community of this district. Few drive bi motors and quad motors down here due to the tight streets and narrow halls, much more easily traversed by walking or by taking the sky rails, which in this case actually tunnel underground. Just south of the upper Cavos district, you will find the Central District, a bustling area with tall buildings for offices and apartments. At street level, there's a Java shop on nearly every other corner, and the food stands, food carts, and food quad motors are numerous in both quantity and variety. At the very center of this district is a small castle, once home to the King of Agelphia. Now, it is just a museum of art history, and magic. However, one could struggle to find this castle as it sits at the center of five skyscrapers that all lean inward, converging in the center to form the high council chamber at the top. Each of the towers is the main office of one of the big five companies. While you may think this is the most glorious site in all the district, you would find yourself mistaken when you notice the large rotating disk that slowly turns in the sky above all the buildings, circling the edge of the Central District. On both the bottom and the top side of the disc lies the world's largest and most extravagant casino. Neon lights can be seen on the exterior of the buildings at night, flushing blues, greens, and reds. Mufik Wudar is a slender white dragonborn man who owns this casino, known as Wudar's Disc of Chance. Some say that he is as rich, if not richer, than each of the five companies, but has never pushed to have his company inducted into their midst. However, he has settled to hold the office of High Counselor of the Central District for quite a long time. Along the southern coast of the city lies the last two districts, West Wall District and East Gate District, each with numerous docks dotted along the coast. Westwall District is where most of the fishing boats dock, selling their catches along the boardwalk. Many halflings man these boats and live in the district, in the sprawling homes near the waterfront, modified to accommodate their small stature. Many others live in the district just a little further inland. Defense Industries has many warehouses toward the wall side of the district as it is one of the most heavily defensible places in all the city. The Ketchery is one of the largest buildings in this district, and probably the largest business here as well. Ilmer Jassadi owns and runs this shop that sells everything one needs for fishing, everything from hooks to the boats themselves. She's a dragonborn with blue scales and a, a soft exterior that will quickly harden when courtesy is forgotten. She also holds the office of High Counselor of this district. Eastgate District is the last of the eight, and you are a little more familiar with it, as this is where our heroes have resided since landing in Agelfia. At its southern edge is the sprawling shipping docks that are orchestrated by one company as of two years ago, Durgestride Imports. That name should sound familiar to you as well, as it's the name of one of our heroes, or rather the name of his father, Manfred Durgestride. Manfred has been running his this company for the last 10 years here in Egelfia, and in that time, he has gained high praise and respect from the populace of the city, earning him the title of High Counselor of this district just a few months ago. This may cause some confusion, as up until a few months ago, he was living in Vago as well with Bertram, but maybe that'll get cleared up soon. In total, there's roughly 5 million people living within the city of Gelfia. Roughly 3 million are chromatic dragonborn, making up the majority of the population. Another 1 million make up the kobold population. Next to that is the half a million automatons that help keep this community running, working harder than any others in this society, but that's how they like it. About 200,000 gnomes live here, between those that have come here to live before the truce between their cities and those that have come in here to gain the benefits that this city has to offer since that 25 years ago. There's roughly 100,000 humans and 100,000 halflings living here, and only about 50,000 dwarves. And the last 50,000 make up the various other races, such as high elves, wood elves, few minotaurs, half-elves, half-orcs, and even full-blooded orcs. Even with this mix... The High Council does not have a majority of Dragonborn for the first time in its history. However, this does not bother most of the city's inhabitants, as the non-Dragonborn on the Council take their district citizens seriously, no matter their race. As I mentioned before, there is roughly about a three-week time skip since the gang resolved the alchemical anomaly down at the docks. And since then, each of our heroes has gained some new skills, and we'll get some new gear too. Isn't this some good quality music? This is Nature Claimed Ruins, Hallowed Grounds by Mark Colette, from BattleBards.com. That's where we get all our background music and sound effects for the show. What is BattleBards? BattleBards is the most premium audio library ever created for the tabletop gaming experience, along with tools built specifically to use the audio seamlessly in-game. Tailor-made background music inspired by fantasy races and locations voiceover scripts written to bring life to everyday NPC interactions, and a colossal array of bone-crushing, spell-blasting sound effects. This is BattleBards. If you're looking to get the best value out of BattleBards.com, I would recommend giving BattleBards Prime subscription a try. With this monthly subscription, you can enjoy streaming access to all BattleBards content, access to all BattleBards tools, including their soundboard and mixer, The ability to upload and mix your own private audio library and 20% off all purchases of sounds you wish to permanently add to your collection. I think this is enough for me. Go check it out for yourself and see what they have to offer. Now, let's get back to Dice Heist. All right, guys, so now that we've given you that little bit of background on Agelfia and you've gotten a better picture of what the city is as a whole, now it's time for us to take a moment and meet with each of our players and see what's happened with their characters during this very short three-week gap. So first up, we're going to start with Bronson's character, Adam. Bronson? Howdy,
1: howdy, everybody. Playing Adam Vadova here. You know him as the rogue wizard of the group. Looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, so uh, why don't we talk about uh, your level up from level 5 to level 6. What did you do for Adam there? So
1: basically, the only thing that Adam is really getting out of going to level 6 right now is getting an extra level in Wizard. Um, That basically just gives gives him two extra spells and access to second level spell slots, which is pretty big. Uh, as far as low-level wizard wizard goes. Other than that, it's just like the, the HP bump.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that once you hit level three as a wizard in 5e, you get enough spells to actually do something with. Because you you at level one, you only have the two first-level slots. Level two, you got the three first-level slots. And then when you jump all the way up to level three, you literally double your spell slots, going to uh, four first-level slots and two second-level slots. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I think that'll be a lot more arcane trickery coming from Adam, maybe. Why don't we jump right into uh, a little scene that uh, happened to Adam during this three-week gap uh, between our arcs. Uh, so Adam, you found yourself sitting in the Central District Library. In front of you is a tome with yellowed pages that smells faintly of mildew. It is open to a page illustrating the use of the spell Scorching Ray. To your left is a small plate of stale bread and hard, smelly cheese that you have been nibbling on, but less enthusiastically than your rat friend. It's late at night. The clock on the wall behind you read 3.12 a.m. last time you turned around, and that was several pages ago. As you look up to relax your tired eyes for a moment, you see the only movement is coming from the handful of automatons organizing and cataloging the books on the nearby endless rows of shelves. After your brief break, you return to the illustrations, and the position of the wizard catches your eye. It seems familiar, but in an uncomfortable way. As you focus more, it feels as if you've blacked out. But when you open your eyes, before you is your father standing over you. You feel small, as if you are merely a child. You look around for a moment, and you see a dimly lit, long room, with a steel door near you. And at the opposite end of the room stands straw dummies, with a handful of torches lining the walls on either side. One of the dummies is ablaze. Your father turns to you and speaks. Now, Adam, show that you have learned the material. He waves his hand downrange. You feel confused, but also at the same time as if you know what's supposed to happen here. You you look down at your hand, and you see where you would normally have your gauntlet is this vine-like apparatus that twists around your arm and is glowing faintly with magical energy. It feels similar to your gauntlet, but it isn't your gauntlet. What do you do? I'm going to cast frostbite <laughs> down range. Yeah. So you turn down range, and uh, are you aiming at the dummy that is on fire?
1: Yes. I'm going to try to put out the fire on the dummy with frostbite.
0: Okay. Uh, so you cast the frostbite spell down range, and it it freezes the dummy, and it puts out the flames but immediately you feel rap on the back of your thighs as you feel the switch coming from your father's hand Ow. god damn it boy you know what you were supposed to do use the spell I just taught you now and you remember he's gonna cast scorching ray yeah so actually yeah you, you faintly remember him casting scorching ray just before this
1: Okay, well if that was the case. Uh I see where this is I okay, I see where this is going now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I will then cast scorching ray at the dummy. Not not the one on fire.
0: One that's next to it. Okay. I'm going to need you to make an intelligence check, please. All right. Let's see what I got here. 10. 10 okay so uh you you shoot the flames out and two of the scorches uh the rays completely miss they're completely off target the last one barely grazes the cheek of the one pathetic well at least you made something come out this time again he shouts pointing downrange and he waves the switch in his hand as well again sheepishly i'll like look downrange And uh,
1: I'll try to cast Scorching Ray again, and this time aiming one ray each at their own
0: exclusive dummy. Okay. Uh, This time make attack rolls, then, as if you were casting the actual spell Scorching Ray. All right.
1: All right, so I got... That would be 25 for the first ray. Okay. 16 for the second ray. Okay.
0: And 19 for the third ray. So this time, you point down range, and with crystal focus, you you fling three individual balls of flame instead of just letting them loose all at once, uh, pointing them directly at your target each time, and each one strikes the dummy in a perfect fashion. Center mass just causing it to go up into a blaze, and all four of the dummies now downrange are ablaze with light. Uh, You turn to see your father. There's no hint of a smile, but a cold nod of approval, at least. As you're disappointed by his reaction, you notice something in the corner behind him. Seems like a small rat. And as you notice this, you also hear a faint squeaking in your ear. It gets louder and louder, and the next thing you know, you're back in the library, and before you, standing on top of your book in front of you, is your rat, looking up at you concernedly, squeaking at you. Adam would be in like a fucking like cold sweat, basically. Uh... You wake up, and you know that you've just woken up. You feel as if you you had that almost you know not so great sleep, um, but for some reason. Uh, you turn around immediately and check the clock, and it says 6.45 a.m. Uh, you're not sure if this was a dream or if this was a memory, but you do know for sure that you don't ever being remember being able to cast spells like that at that age. You don't ever remember being able to cast spells at that age.
1: So I don't even remember going through this kind of
0: training with my dad, even. Exactly. He he seemed like the same cold person that you dealt with in life, but there was never any training like this, at least that you remember. Adam's
1: gonna, like, get out his journal, his personal journal, and just try to write, like, every fucking detail of this, like, weird dream sequence. Uh, he can't quite wrap his head around it at the moment, but he's gonna try to get every detail that he can uh,
0: before closing it sounds good and as you do that um, a automaton and walks up to you sir it is time to exit the library your session has terminated please deposit your books in my arms and exit the library immediately
1: Adam will do exactly that and afterwards will scoop up his rat I decided to call him Chef.
0: Okay, so you scoop up Chef, and you head on out. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Bronson, for sitting in on this short little excerpt of what has happened with uh, with Adam for us. Uh, we'll see you again on the next episode of Dice Heist. Thank you. Okay, now that we've finished up with Adam's little bit of story, we can now move on to our next episode player and his character Bertram. Uh, So Aaron why don't we start off here by you telling us a little bit about the change from level 5 to level 6 for Bertram.
2: Gotcha. Uh, What's up everyone? So level 6 bard. So uh, big spoiler here. uh, Going with bard still. Uh, (laughs) And not a whole lot of crazy things happening at level 6. You do get counter charm which I have uh, less than great feelings about, so we might punch it up or swap it out with something else that'll remain to be seen. But uh, you do get Mantle of Whispers in this college, so that'll be pretty fun to take the shadow of humanoids when they die and mask my appearance as them and know a little bit of what they know. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, Spells-wise, basically I'm adding tongue. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) so you're adding tongues okay nice Uh, that'll be very interesting then
2: yeah I figure that makes sense (laughs) for Bertram
0: (laughs) I I definitely think so too Um, so yeah uh, now that we've kind of gotten out of the way let's move into our quick little role play session uh, with a little bit of story that happens to Bertram and actually this is going to happen Just before the start of our next arc. And I know we did that last time with Bertram's bit of story, but it really fits in with where we're going with this. So uh, let's just jump on into it. Uh, So, Bertram, you find yourself uh, leaving one of your favorite bars, the Inebriated Scrapper. Mm -hmm. After having a few too many, you find yourself stumbling down an alleyway leading back to the main street to walk yourself home. As you're walking, You are briefly startled as one of the street sweeper automatons zips by you into the alleyway to clean up the trash lying around. This automaton is no more than knee high and is just making, you know, a vacuum like noise uh, as it zips by. You hear a few beeps and your minor knowledge of the language leads you to believe it was just cursing you for not walking in an efficient manner. As you spin to watch it pass, you stumble into the, front, into the wall, catching yourself, and then turning yourself back around towards the street. But as you turn back around, there's now a figure standing there in front of you that wasn't there before. This figure seems to be a dragonborn, but their face and body are covered with black clothes. In their hand is a knife that shines in the moonlight with a faint greenish oiliness. Even in your current state, you know it to be poison. They quickly move forward, jabbing out at you with the dagger, aiming for a gut shot. Bertram, can you please make a dexterity saving throw to avoid the attack?
2: Uh,
0: 14. Ooh, so just barely missed. So this knife uh, dives directly into your gut. And you feel it plunge into you and it hurts a lot, but it also begins to burn as you feel the poison slowly web all over your body via your veins and you feel yourself slowly begin to pass out. But before you do, this burning sensation in your veins stops and it begins to feel less like a burning sensation and almost this rising of power in your body like when you're casting a powerful spell, just in a completely different manner. As, as it rises in your body, you, you open your mouth to curse at your attacker, but instead of words, this green noxious gas spills out of your mouth and into the face of your attacker. The attacker quickly falls back as you hear cries coming from them and you see the black cloth that covers their face seems to be now drenched. And you can see the glint of what you assume to be blood underneath and now soaking the clothing. The dagger is still firmly planted in your stomach, but this creature seems to not be moving anymore. And you can, you can feel something unique, something you haven't felt before. You can feel the soul of this Uh, dragonborn lingering in the air. It's not a physical, tangible thing, but you know it's there. You know it's currently on its way to the ethereal plane.
2: Uh, yeah, Bertram's just panicking. He's got a (laughs) dagger in his abdomen. Uh, he's basically having a panic attack and a heart attack at the same (laughs) time. Uh... Yeah, he'll he'll reach to grab onto anything, um, physical or otherwise, just like a drowning man looking for something to help.
0: So Bertram, in his drunken stupor, is going to reach out for this soul that is flying away, just trying to grab onto something. And he catches it, but it doesn't help him stable himself. He just continues to fall, and he falls his back up against a wall and slides to the ground as... He quickly gets a flash of some of the initial thoughts of this creature that just died in front of him. Um, The surface thoughts that you're able to get from it uh, are his name. His name is Darren. You see a short interaction between him and Naya, the wizard who was working alongside of Anna Lynn on the silver sail. And this brief interaction is her hiring this assassin to kill you. Obviously, that was thwarted, but you do know that Naya is still out there. And as you sit kind of huddled on the ground with this dagger in your stomach, you unknowingly have cried out, you know, in, in your pain and in your, you know, almost lucidness. And from around the corner down the alleyway towards the main street, you see a man dressed with a cap and uh, a fine suit. He seems to be some sort of taxi driver, or at least those similar to the ones that you've seen uh, around the city for for the higher class of the city. And, sir, sir, are are you all right? Oh my God, what happened? As he rushes down the alleyway towards you.
2: Um, I'm just... I hear this, but I'm fixed, like fixated on the dagger that's sticking out of me still. Can I pull it out?
0: Yeah, you, you can pull it out if you wish.
2: Yeah, I think I do.
0: Okay, I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Six. Six, okay. So, Bertram, you go to pull out this dagger, and just pulling it slightly makes your stomach wrench at the same time as it just is a sickening thought to be pulling a dagger out of you and you feel it the entire time and you just, your hands drop as you begin vomiting off to the side of you as you just can't uh, make yourself pull it out right now. Uh, the man rushes up to you even closer now and he grabs it from you and says, all right, so hold still. We'll get it out. Uh, just just calm, calm yourself. Don't pull it out right now. If you pull it out, you're gonna bleed out, man. Okay, just just relax. And he he tries to uh, pull you up onto his shoulder to lead you out of the alleyway. Uh, take take me to the hospital. Uh, okay, all right. What what's your name? And he as he's lifting you up and bringing you uh, down the alleyway.
2: Uh, I have the uh, pleasure of being butcher. <clears throat> just uh,
0: oh Really? Oh that's I th- I thought Bertram was a human as he continues helping you along. You What? You appear to be dragonborn.
2: Bertram's gonna look at his hands. <laughs> uh and I I assume they appear like a dragonborn I just killed.
0: Yeah, it appears to be the hands of the man you just killed.
2: Uh, Bertram has no idea what's going on with this; uh, it's freaking yep. him out. I don't, I, I, don't know if he'd be able to maintain his grasp on the shadows. The, the I, shadows I don't think here. so either.
0: But I, I feel like once he freaks out and realizes that, uh, he he doesn't look as if, as he did before. Um, it will begin to fade and he will turn back into Bertram. Almost this smoke leaving him uh, as he slowly shifts to his human form.
2: I... I I don't know what's happening here.
0: (sighs) Okay. Alright. I... I I know where to take you. Quickly. Come on. And he rushes you over to his vehicle, uh, opens up the back, and uh, pulls you in, Um Bertram, as you're pulled in, the pain of the dagger seems to be too much on you, and you pass out. As he hops into the front of the quad motor, driving off into the night.
2: That's good. Just getting in cars (laughs) with strangers. (laughs) Yep, yep. That apparently are looking for me. Uh, Yep. What a night. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, what a night,
0: and I guess we'll catch back up with Bertram in episode 21 of Dice Heist, as he will mysteriously wake up somewhere else. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this little excerpt uh, of role playing between myself and Aaron. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this little bit of story that maybe plays into the, each of the characters' backstories a little bit more. And hopefully we'll set up our next arc. Uh, Thank you again, Aaron, for joining me. And we'll move on. We'll move on to Nick.
2: Absolutely. See you guys later.
0: All right. So now that we have finished up with our little snippet of story with both Adam and Bertram, uh, now it's time to move on to Dirk. And today we have Nick with us. And he is going to talk a little bit about any change with his level up. Uh, For expertise, I picked up acrobatics and sleight
3: of hand. So now I'm really good at acrobatics and really good at sleight of hand.
0: Sweet. Uh, I love that. All right. And I'll probably hate it too, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, yeah, with uh, the level up for Dirk done, uh, I think we're just about ready to move on into our little bit of story involving Dirk uh, between our three week time gap uh, after the Alchemical Anomaly arc. Uh, So a little bit of a bonus here, though. Uh, We have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Yeah, um I'm Kristen. I will be um during this little scene here. I don't want to spoil it, but uh This nice is my wonderful fiance, everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah.
0: yeah, and uh Kristen will be playing a special character that will be showing up in this little scene. Uh so before we spoil anything else, why don't we hop right on into it and I will set the mood for you dirk (laughs) so uh, you're wandering around the central district and you grab a bite to eat at one of the dwarven food stands as you take a bite of this deep fried helmet you taste the nutty flour used for the breading and the hearty earthy mushroom inside the frying oil helps blend the flavors together making it even more delicious As you emerge from your days, you see a taxi pull up across the street in front of the Aqua Hotel, one of Central's many hotels, this one with a blue and green stonework and several water features that make the walls seem to move constantly. But what catches your eye even more than the stunning building is the woman who just emerged from the taxi across the street. She has a striking resemblance to someone you knew At the orphanage. Named Scarlet. And Dirk. As you see this person. You think back to. One of your most traumatic. And also memorable moments. At the orphanage. It's a few weeks after. You had just received your scar. um, That is. Quite. Pronounced on your face. And. uh, You're sitting currently. Uh, behind a a wall, uh, just kind of hiding at this moment. Uh, there's a cut above your lip as well, and you've just gotten into a scuffle with a few of the other orphan children uh, who decided to pick on you for your scar, calling you names. As you're sitting here, uh, a young girl approaches you. Uh,
3: Dirk is... Uh holding on to his face just ashamed of what he looks like now and he's just kind of huddled up as the girl approached.
2: Hey,
1: hey, are you okay? Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, when, uh, I haven't seen you around here for a while. Oh, you're, you're Scarlet, right?
1: Yeah, I'm Scarlet.
3: Um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been kind of rough lately, and, uh... I'm sorry. Yeah, they they're all, uh, picking on me because of this scar. As he, uh, removes his hand and shows her the scar, uh, from the lightning strike. Hmm, why would they make fun of you for having a scar? Well, they, they say I'm cursed now, and that... You know, I'm just gonna bring bad bad juju or whatever to the to the orphanage and they're trying to get me to leave. Mm I wouldn't pay them any attention. I think it makes you look tough. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. You're too sweet. No, I'm just I'm just being honest. <laughs> and so the two of them continued to talk for a while and as time went on in the orphanage they became the best of friends for a time until uh, until one day came along and she got adopted and I'll pass it back to the DM
0: yeah so as you're sitting there remembering that and kind of almost brooding in the memory of her getting adopted before you uh, y- you hear your name ringing in your ear, just over and over again. And you you finally come out of your daze and Scarlet's shouting to you from across the street, shouting your name and uh, waving to you, trying to get your attention.
1: Dirk? Dirk, is that you? Uh,
3: uh, what?
0: Uh, Dirk
3: finally shakes out of his stupor and looks up to see and lock eyes with her. Scarlet? Uh, Scarlet? Scarlet?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's Scarlet. I can't believe it's you.
3: What? What are, what are you doing here? I'm here for business. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, well, I, I just uh, moved here a couple months ago, and uh, I'm working for the Defense Force now. Uh, man, it's it's really nice to see you. It's really uh, nice to see you. It's been how long? Oh man, I, uh, what, 12, twelve years, maybe more. It has to be at this point. Jeez. Hey, uh, would would you like to meet up sometime and grab something to eat? Maybe something to drink? Yeah, absolutely. I actually have to meet up with this person. I'm on a trade deal, so I don't really have much time right now, oh, though. Okay. Um.
0: okay. Um, and before you get to say goodbye, Dirk, you notice something strange behind her. Uh, you see... A red scaled dragonborn, dressed quite professionally, strolling down the street. But that's not exactly what catches your eye. What catches your eye is a small black blob that seems to be following him close at the ground level. And immediately, this sparks something in you, and you, you remember that black pudding, and it looks almost exactly like the black pudding, just smaller, uh, chasing after this, this businessman. Oh shit. Uh alright. Uh
3: hold on, there's something going on here. Uh I I'll, I'll I'll be right back. I'll catch up with you later. I gotta okay. take care of this. Yeah. Here's, here's my card. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and Dirk Dirk will kind of rush out uh to uh engage with what he's noticing
0: now. Okay, yeah. So uh so as you rush out to engage, are you pulling out your weapon or uh, doing anything? Uh, yeah, Dirk, Dirk will uh, pull out his rapier and uh, and
3: summon Zed back to his shoulder. And as he's running off, uh, Scarlet catches a glimpse of this owl just appearing on his shoulder all of a sudden. And, uh, gotcha. And then Zed just kind of takes off in flight, and the two of them just charge after the whatever this thing is.
0: Okay. Uh, as you approach and you're getting ready to swing down upon this creature, uh, the, the business man spins around and sees you and just begins flailing his arm. Stop, 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 stop trying to get your attention as you're, you're moving towards this, uh, creature. And he actually steps between you and the black pudding. Uh,
3: what are you doing? Uh, this thing it's,
0: isn't it trying to kill you? My my pet? This is
3: your pet?
0: Yes, it's it's a pet pudding.
3: A, a pet pudding? Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm just, sorry. Look, I'm I work for the defense force, and I just recently was attacked by a much larger one of these things, and I thought maybe it's. <sighs>
0: All right, sorry. It's, it's understandable. No, it's it's understandable. It's, a, it's an unusual thing. He, he reaches down, picks it up, and it's it's much smaller. It fits in both his hands. You know, it's, it's kind of like overflowing a little bit. Um, and the first thing you notice when uh, it gets closer to your, your face is that you can smell it. And it smells sweet, but not the sweet smell of rotten meat that you smelled before. Almost of like fruit and citrus uh, and maybe even some flower, floral uh, notes as well. Yeah, uh, weirdest thing happened. I was walking around, um, around the border of, uh, Westwall district and the Belbaram district. And there's a shop there called, uh, Almox Friendly Oozes. So bizarre I had to check it out. Uh, it's, It's a pet shop. But all the pets are oozes and they... There's, like, gelatinous cubes there, black puddings, uh, some fungal ones. I, they're, they're amazing. I, I couldn't help myself. I had to get one, and you know what? He cleans up really well. There's no waste from any of the fruit in my, in my apartment. It keeps it super clean. Picks up the dust and everything like that, too.
3: Well, I've seen firsthand how dangerous an adult one of these things can be, so be very mindful with this thing. I personally wouldn't trust one of these as a f- pet.
0: Well, uh, so I talked to Elmux. He he apparently modifies them. This is this is the largest this one will get. It's a, it's actually a pick pudding. Hmm. Uh, it won't get any larger than this, and he's bred out the uh, desire for meat. Uh, he said he works with the more dangerous ones though, uh, at his shop in the back. Hmm. Interesting. You said you had a run in with some of these things.
3: Yeah, not too long ago. Uh, I won't go into details cuz it's a it's a uh, personal matter, but yeah, I think uh I think I might give him a visit. Thank you for the information. Um uh, just uh make sure that thing doesn't hurt anyone, okay?
0: Of course. I I will keep an eye on it. Uh, the shopkeeper seemed quite uh confident that there wouldn't be any issues like that, but I, I'll I'll keep an eye out for it. Thank you. Okay. Um, well uh
3: yeah. If you need if you need anything, just uh contact the Defense Force and we'll uh help take care of things if uh something gets out of hand.
0: Yeah, yeah, not a problem. I, I have no issue with that. I'll I'll keep that in mind. Um and as this conversation seems to wrap up. Dirk, you uh, you spin back around to look for Scarlet, and uh, you see her as she is walking away down the street with a dragonborn next to her. Uh, and they are walking towards a different vehicle right now. Okay. Um,
3: Alright. Well, uh, Dirk will assume that she's too busy to you know, do anything now but he did give her his card so that she could find or contact him later so he's just gonna throw his uh, hands over his head and uh, Zed will land back on his shoulder like, man Zed I uh, haven't seen her in forever (laughs) well, hopefully we'll see her again soon and uh
0: and, uh, He'll just continue. You, you hear a you hear a slight chittering coming from Zed in hopefulness. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we will end the scene there. Uh, thank you so much, Kristen, for joining us. Yeah, I know absolutely. it was just a little bit of brief uh, role play, but I think it added a much better element than me trying to role play a character <laughs> that I do not have the scope to play. So
3: no, it was really fun. I really uh, enjoyed it.
0: I'm glad. Uh, So hopefully we will hear more from Scarlet in the future as Dirk will be able to get to know her. All right. Uh, That is it for our little bit of story with Dirk leading into maybe where this ooze that they encountered might have come from. Uh, Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this little episode of ours going into more background story on the show and also getting a little bit more information about each of the characters backstories. I uh, can't wait to get, see you guys again. Have a good time for now. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Dice Heist. Our next episode will be released on Sunday, August 1st. And this is going to be a bit of a teaser episode instead of our regularly scheduled Dice Heist episode. Uh, And this teaser is going to be for our soon-to-be-launched Patreon. And in this episode, you will learn exactly what our Patreon is going to offer uh, from all four of our different tiers that we will be including, uh, all of the different content that we are going to be offering to you guys, and our pricing options as well. In addition, we are going to include a small section of our first One-Shot Onslaught episode. These One-Shot Onslaughts are miniseries with a whole new cast of characters and sometimes even in a whole new world entirely. We're going to play for you our first one that we recorded uh, that is going to be released as of the launch of this episode and that is going to be called The Ebbing Sands. So please enjoy that little bit of a teaser next week. Hopefully you guys enjoy that. I want to give a special thanks to Nick for letting us use his song, Something For Now. I'd like to also thank my wife Erica for her support and her wonderful work on our show notes and additional help writing flavor text with me. I'd like to thank BattleBards personally for their help improving our show by giving us access to their immense library of music, background, sound effects, soundscapes, even NPC dialogue that I've used on sparse occasions. But still, it was immensely helpful to try and immerse you guys in the world that I'm trying to create with this story. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Dice underscore Heist and on Facebook at Dice Heist Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us there or send us an email at DiceHeistPodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, I want to mention that our giveaway has finally had a date set. So we are going to draw all six winners on July 30th. So, uh, on July 30th, I'm going to draw all of those names, and I will be sending out a message and also posting the winners of the contest. Uh, and these winners will be winning uh, sets of dice, scale mail dice bags, and owl keychains. Once we're able to get in contact with you guys, we can send you all of your gifts. And just to give you that last little bit, we're going to make sure that we, uh, we announce in our episode released on august 1st we'll make sure and announce who the winners are there too so you guys can check your inboxes and get back to us so we know who to mail all of these things to. we really appreciate you guys being patient with us and we really hope that those that do win these items really enjoy them so thank you again very much and thanks again for listening to this episode of dice heist and stay tuned for the next episode next week bye for now